Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Ty Roxon. And I'm excited about this particular episode because, you know, when I think about the world today, I, I'm always talking about the the need for people to replace fear and ignorance with compassion and love and just really an understanding of who you are. And, you know, it's graduation season here in the United States, and I'm giving a couple of graduation speeches. And the gist of the speeches that I'm going to be given essentially take on this, this, uh, this narrative. You know, I, I speak a lot in acronyms, and it's S-E-E-D. Right, so the S is the self awareness, E is the exposure, and the, the second E is the empowering others, and D is to don't give up hope. Now, what Isabel Hunt, today's guest, talks about dives into every single one of those elements. You get to hear her first journey of really understanding who she was and paying this vision for herself, and then the path to getting there was a very, very arduous journey. I mean, you could talk about the discrimination face or the other and internal self-doubts that she had to deal with. But her way of getting out of that and then the commitment to staying true to the vision she had as a, as a, as a, as a kid is something that I find admirable. And my hope is that as you listen to this episode, you take on a lot of the, the tips that she's given in, but you get inspired by her story to live out your story. Okay. Hope you enjoy the episode and please. After you listen to this episode, send me a message, whether it's email, um, Instagram, Twitter, talking about the, you know, the, the ways that you're, you're planning to live your story. Okay. Love you all and see you soon or talk to you soon or hear you soon. Whatever it is, I will be hearing and interacting with one of you soon. In a world where very few people embrace their global identity and seek to understand their neighbors, cross-cultural expert Tayo Roxon is on a mission to bridge this divide. Each week, he'll open your mind with insights from some of the global minds in the world. Get ready, take some notes, and learn how to be the best you that you can be. Welcome everybody to another episode of As Told by Nomads and today's episode is with Isabel Hunt. Now Isabel is a successful public speaker, certified transformation coach working with the empaths and empath warriors, emotions clearing practitioner and published author of The Power of Faith Driven Success. Her expertise revolves around navigating your emotional world, the important role of empaths, empath warriors, the power of intuition, and the importance of trust and perseverance in today's society. Isabel has been featured on several TV shows, radio publications, as well as well-known podcasts 
like Entrepreneur on Fire. She did it her way and Elevate and Beyond. We're definitely going to be diving into uh, several elements of how she's an empath warrior, what she's done with her intercultural journey, but also how she really transmit that, transmits that energy on stage and it gets people to really uncover things about themselves that might have been hidden. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy that we connected. I'm happy too. I, I know this has been a long time coming. I, I, I think uh, you, 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 I guess we somehow got connected with a mutual friend. I had done a virtual, yes. a virtual uh, summit, summit or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yes. and um, I think you, you connected with some of the stories I shared. So let's start off there. What about the stories in your early childhood uh, were things that you feel played a role in what you do today as an empath warrior? <laughs> well, the first thing that came to mind right away when you said that was that eventually I asked my parents if I was adopted. <laughs> 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 I'm sure, I'm sure they, um, well, they, I was young when I asked that, so I'm sure they didn't think much of it. Um, but <laughs> I always felt a little bit like um, the black sheep, like I, I've always done things differently than um, my siblings and I felt things differently, but I was also very withdrawn. I was a rule follower pretty, pretty much um, to not draw attention to me or like I was really the introvert growing up very much so. And uh, there were several situations where I said to my parents, sometimes I feel like I can leave my body and I can just see the world like it's in a snow globe. I can see everything moving and I know things that I shouldn't know. And for those who don't know, to kind of take it back a little bit, uh, what empaths are, because the term is now just kind of becoming um, acceptable in society. Um, it's those people who are highly, highly sensitive. They are not just empathic towards other people and can show compassion, but we literally can become them. That means we feel exactly what other people feel. So you can imagine when you're in a crowd of people, this can go downhill really, really fast. And um, so even as a child, it, it was interesting when my friends were upset I usually started laughing and I felt so, so horrible about that because there's one scenario of where I remember we're sitting on stairs and there was one of my best friends sitting next to me and she was bawling about something. She was so upset and and I just had to look to the other side because I had to laugh and I felt so horrible for laughing. And now looking back and knowing what I know, I know that this was just a survival mechanism for me to not to take on her sadness and and her anger that she felt in that moment so it kind of kept my vibration high so I didn't feel it as bad from her and there were more of those incidences but the most important I think was when I was 12 and I had this very vivid dream um I would call it a prophetic dream where I was standing on stage in front of thousands of people in front of me. I watched myself on stage, actually. I saw my older self speaking in English, and I'm originally from Germany. So English wasn't my favorite language at all. I really sucked at it. I didn't like it in school. Um, I was always trying to avoid it as much as I could. So I was like, yeah, that's not a dream for me. Why would I do anything in English? It's just, yeah, that's just not happening but that dream just kept with me and 
until I was 18. And when I was 18, I was like, well, maybe I should do an exchange here in the U.S. Who knows what happens? I have no idea why I would do that because my teacher came to me and she said, Isabel, are you sure you want to do that? I think you're going to be back in two weeks. I don't know. I think you're a little too withdrawn, too shy, not really outgoing. It's like, no, I need to do this. I don't know why I need to do it. I, Yeah. And so I went. I Again, I can't even remember the plane ride because every time I did take like big steps like that, I can't remember what I did. It's just gone. It's just not in my memory. I just did it. Um, and I came to the US. I, I, first, I lived in DC with a family, even though it wasn't the best experience. Uh, because it was, for one, it was all new. The children were able to play me because I didn't understand much of what they were saying. And they were four and six. Of course, they were trying really hard to get what they wanted. And But I still had this very strong yes. You know, when you do something and you just feel this yes and every time you try to do something else, it always pulls you back to that yes and you just know. Uh, this is how I felt. And I had to go back to Germany. And I always had this thought, how am I going to get back to the U.S.? How am I going to live that dream eventually? What am I supposed to do? And I was so attached to this dream that I never listened to my intuition, really. I didn't trust myself. I didn't take a minute to just have a break. I didn't even... um acknowledge my sensitivity and the intuition that I already had with some of the people that I ended up working with and being with and living with. And uh, it got me really, really fast into a deep state of depression and anxiety and overwhelm and panic attacks. And to the point where I got kicked out of university in Germany because I failed way, way too many exams. And after two years, lost, failed years, and I was already behind, um, according to social standards. <laughs> um, yeah, it, I, I just didn't know what to do from there. And I was like, okay, maybe this dream is not for me. I don't know another way to go to the U.S. I don't want to get married just for that reason. It's not going to happen. I don't have $60,000. And I still came back as an au pair, as a nanny, and I lived in New York for a few weeks, and there I experienced a lot of discrimination. I worked for a black family, which was very interesting for me because it was my first real experience in um, experiencing um, discrimination, and I just didn't grow up that way. It never really crossed my mind, and it crushed me. It's like, why would you say things about me and to me and even assume things that are not true? And you just put me into the box and I just didn't know what to do with it. And then I had to move to San Francisco and there worked for another family that were intercultural as well. She was from Iran originally. He, um, his parents were from Germany and so he spoke German and but he was born in the U.S., I believe. But she was very, very strict. She literally um, treated me like a maid. She ran after me when there were just a little tiny piece of dirt on the floor left, which wasn't even my task. Her kids weren't really the nicest either. They just kept running away and screaming and doing things that they weren't supposed to. And I was 26 at that point. I was like, why are people treating me this way? What is wrong with me? 
that people treat me like this, like I'm dirt, like I'm not worth anything. Is it because I'm young? Is it because I'm from a different country? Do I not speak English well enough? Like, what is the problem with me or with people? Why do people say I'm lying? Why do they betray me? And I ended up in the street pretty much in San Francisco um, because they kicked me out too after about four weeks. And again, at that point, you're just like, okay, maybe I'm not supposed to be here. This is just crazy. I've never experienced it that way. And a friend of mine, she looked at me and she said, Isabel, I don't know if you realize that, but there's something different about you. I was like, what? That people lie to me? That people just don't think I'm worth much? She's like, no. You know, people know that you know something about them that they don't want you to know. You can look through them. You you see them and they don't want to be seen because they want to keep that mask on um, that they've worn for so many years to accomplish their status all those families had very high positions if it was in politics or in just biotech companies and they had to keep those masks on and you took them off and they didn't want that so they had to create and fabricate a story about you so other people would believe them i was like well that doesn't help me it doesn't make me feel better but from that point forward i Um, realized and I took a closer look at who I am and what I do and how I interact with people and I realized it's true if I really pay attention I see people for who they are and not what they try to portray about them how they embody themselves in their position in in their task and it rubs people the wrong way a lot of times and from San Francisco then I moved to Indianapolis It wasn't too much better, to be honest, but I met my now husband, which is great because we've been married for eight years, and um, he's really my the opposite of <laughs> me, and we just work so great together. But I think his push after a whole bunch of more up and down, it almost um, I got almost deployed, uh, deported in Canada, and some more um, discrimination because I was immigrant. Uh, that is another title that people respond to very well and very quickly, or let's say not very well. Um, I got married, and then my husband said, I don't know what you want to do. What do you want to do? Your background is in sociology, psychology, and you didn't get into counseling. Ma no, I did get into counseling, master's program in counseling, but I didn't have $60,000. So I couldn't start it, and maybe I didn't even want to. But... Um, That's how I started to get into coaching. And for some reason, divine guidance, whatever it was, and how people would define this, but I ended up with a spiritual coaching program, also called ontological coaching program. And that's where all those layers were pulled away, where I understood this is what I'm really great at. This is where I'm different than other people and how I'm supposed to use that gift. Um And that was a long answer to the question. <laughs> no, it's not. So there's so many things to unpack there. So um, I want I want to talk about these things. I want to talk about the um, the moment you said you know you, you used to laugh when things got tough. You know how that was a symptom of of a certain behavior. I want us to dissect mm -hmm. that. I want to talk about the discrimination, and I want to talk about how you started to see yourself and understand your intuition uh, because there's several levels. So, but let, let's start off with the early phase of your life because. You, yeah. you said you noticed in your early stage that you used to laugh 
during those type of moments. Well, can you talk more about that? Because maybe someone in the audience is going through something like that or they know someone that does that. This could potentially help that person see that person in a new light. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think many people do it, especially those who are easily overwhelmed and um, don't like crowds or people interaction in general. Um, when you feel a lot, you try to protect yourself in some ways. And that's usually by closing your heart down. You don't want to feel everything everyone else feels. And for me, <coughs> excuse me, for me, it was um, the way of, of laughing. Sometimes I was, uh, people said about me that I'm kind of cold hearted. I don't show compassion very well. I just watch. And sometimes it hurt me because I knew this is not true about me, but it was just what people perceived because I tried to protect myself in so many different ways. If it was through not interacting as much, not getting into deep conversations, um, again, laughing was one of them. Other people might get angry instead of laughing or what else have I experienced with other clients, what they do, or they start to say to tell jokes as a response to someone else hurting, which is also very inappropriate. And so there are different ways how people try to, to protect themselves from not having to interact with others, to not have to feel everything everyone else feels. And that was the case for me, and I felt guilty for it. So I didn't just add um, the awareness of being sensitive towards others but then having that title of I'm cold-hearted but also putting the guilt on me and the shame I shouldn't be laughing this is not good uh there are different ways how people cope with being very sensitive towards other people hmm. no this is so this is mind-blowing to me so in terms of the coping I think that's such a, uh, an amazing sense of self-awareness that you were able to eventually see that in terms of the coping what did you do, do to actually work through that? Because I can imagine someone telling you a story about a death in the family and, and you not being able to control the fact that you laugh. That, that, that's a, a frustrating internal feeling that you must have gone through. Sorry, I moved my chair here. Uh, <laughs> but how did you figure out how to then cope uh, in terms of, of that moment? What are the things that people can do if, they're, you know, if they experience the same emotions? I didn't have anyone growing up who understood uh, the highly sensitive side of me as I, as it would be probably today. Like my son is also very highly sensitive. So when he goes through something, I can help him move through that. I didn't have that. So growing up, I actually just pushed it away. I didn't really work through it at all. I just, I just acknowledge it as growing pain, something that everyone just goes through. I didn't even experience much as different. Um, I just pushed it away. I really just ignored it until um, until everything just went downhill. I think it really started when I was 18. I left the country. I had to take a look at myself because nobody really understood me. There was this language barrier. So I had to communicate in different ways. But what I communicated with my body language, with my facial expressions, wasn't what I wanted to communicate. So I had to take a very close look at what is it that people perceive about me. And then um, I think it really hit me when I went through the coaching training and had to work with my own coaches, which sometimes you just want to hate on them and sometimes you just want to punch them in the face because they push you too much. 
Um, I'm sure people can relate. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, but they they really helped me to see, hey, this is what comes across. Is that what you really mean? Um, I think a lot of people experienced me also as slightly arrogant or I would be talking down on people because of that sense of insecurity that I had about myself. Um, so I think it didn't change too much until I was about 25, 26 years old. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, um, hopefully people were, I mean, were able to at least gain, gain or at least some knowledge about that. But if you have any questions, I'm sure we're going to, you know, create an opportunity for people to reach out to you at the end of the interview. But I, I do, I do always love going down people's journeys because then you talked about the prophetic dream you had to come to the United States. You saw yeah. yourself speaking on stages, which is what you do right now. But the path there was not easy. And I think it is very interesting that, you know, the first few instances you had with, with, with working with people, uh, you experienced discrimination. And you said it was from people from different uh, colors. What mm-hmm. were you discriminated against exactly? And how did you not let that color your view of, I don't know, I guess, black people or Iranians, I think that's the second one. How did you not yeah. let that call it? I'm very curious about that because we live in a world, obviously, that's interesting yeah. right now. And people like to categorize a behavior of one person as the whole race. So I'm curious about what you were discriminated about and then how did you deal with it and work through filtering your emotions as separating people from um, mm-hmm. the rest of them? Well, um, with the first case, it was... Um... Um, well, they had another au pair before me, obviously, and she was from South America, and we're still good friends, which is fun. Uh, but she was from um, South America, and of course, we we are different. Europeans and people from other countries are their different cultural backgrounds. We some might be a little bit more laid back, others may not, and they just literally came at me from from. Uh, your Germans are always so rigid. Germans do this, and and you're just here because you want to stay in the U.S. You just want to use our system. Uh, you like there were so many things that made me question. And then um, one conversation I remember, like it was yesterday, the dad stood outside with me smoking his cigarette, and I was like, oh, okay, that already bothers me, but all right. And actually, he just waited with me outside because I was supposed to be picked up by um, the organization that I was here with. So he pretty much just wanted to get rid of me. But um, he had this conversation. He looks at me as like, you know, I just don't know what people from other countries and, and what they do and who they are. And and you think just because you're white, you have some privileges here. And I just like, well, that. why would that like, I'm not even making any money. I have no like. I have no privileges. I can't get anything. Like, why would you even say that? It just didn't make any sense to me in that content and context because, well, I didn't live here long enough to experience what was really going on socially. Um, now I probably would understand the conversation better. But back then I was in my early 20s. I didn't know what he was talking about. And um, he just always kept going, uh, you Germans, and you, you think you're better. And <laughs> I just sat there and I look at him and I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Mm. Nothing, none. And um, 
And it, it just, there's always this power struggle going on where I didn't even want him to respond this way. I didn't even feel the way what he tried to push on me. And the same happened in San Francisco. She reversed the, the role so fast I couldn't even look that fast and say her name where, you know, I am in charge and this is how we do things. And turned out she grew up in a very rich household in Iran and they had their own mates and that's how she was known to treat everyone. If it was teachers, if it was people that worked for her, even her husband was on the low end receiving part of that because, well, I guess as the president of a con of a big company, you're, you're not you're not big enough, even though her position was lower than his. It was just really interesting. But she put that also on me, um, where, again, it came back to that immigration status and you Europeans and you think um, you're better. And it, it was just this pattern with people from different countries where, or different backgrounds, different cultures um, and where I started to question myself, where I really at some point thought, maybe there is something wrong with me. Maybe there's something I don't see. Maybe I'm just naive because that's what people called me too, which I'm totally not for those people who know me. They know I'm not. Um, but they just called me naive and I'm just a dreamer. I don't even know what I'm doing and I don't even get my impact coming here and what that means for them. Like I'm taking something away from them and I didn't understand where it was coming from. Yeah. I didn't know because I didn't grow up that way. Yeah. I ask these questions just because on this show, I like to really help people understand what it's like to embrace a global mindset. I often talk about the idea of using your difference to make a difference. And that's as much, you know, about cultural competency, understanding how to relate mm -hmm. to several cultures as it is about, personal branding, how to tell your message with impact. And when I hear you talk about your story, you have a vision, you persist in through that, you come in here and having people question and make judgments on who you are without knowing who you are. Yeah. I, yeah. There's a certain admirable quality about it um, that, that I love. First of all, because you, you know that I'm a, I'm a black person. It doesn't appear, I and mean, we've had several conversations, right. it doesn't appear that you've transferred those emotions to me, at least... From the way, I mean, just interactions we've had, and this is not the first time we've talked, and I know we've interacted many times before. And it also, it doesn't appear that you let those things um, make you feel small enough, at least for too long, that you basically gave up on your dreams. The, the reason why that's admirable to me is because not a lot of people do that. A lot of people mm -hmm. get let their identity be defined by others, and a mm -hmm. lot of people just forget about the dreams that they had when they were younger because it got too hard. And yeah. I'm trying to get, get to, to the point where you realized I need to do something internally. And these are the steps that I need to break out of my own mental prisons. <laughs> that was a hard, that was a hard journey <laughs> yeah. to the point. My parents, um, my parents were always very supportive of me. Like when I married my husband, my parents didn't meet him before we got married. They just trusted me. My mom always said, I'm never worried about you, no matter what you do or where you're at. I know you're making the right decision for you and it's always working out. I'm not worried about you at all. And when I got kicked out of um, the ho the home in San Francisco back then, and and then it went down to to Indianapolis, and the agency didn't want to play really with me anymore. 
And and then I had to go back to Germany for a few months and then I tried to figure out the money situations and it just didn't work out. I, it was just nothing worked out. And I sat in my dad's office bawling and he said, Isabel, I don't have $60,000 for you. I don't know what to tell you anymore. As much as I want for you that your dream comes true, I think you need to stop and rethink your dream and take a different approach. At that point, I was 26. I never had a real job. I just finished my degree in sociology and psychology after I um, had to start over, after I got kicked out of the other university. And um, I, I didn't really have any future plans. And my my dad was like, every one of your friends has family. They have a job. They have a plan. You don't have anything of that. I was like, oh, thanks for making me like a failure even more. But that's very much appreciated. Um, and I did go back and I just, there was just some fire in my heart that always pushed me back. And the interesting thing was when I tried to change my path, that dream came up over and over to the point where it just became my truth. It- Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It became my reality. It just became so normal that I had to go and do this um and i don't know i mean you you have so many people that tell you otherwise i lost a lot of friends because again they were all having their own families at that point and i don't know but you just you just can't give up and the really interesting thing is and where i really hated on god there were you always have those little things that suddenly work out like Oh, suddenly my then boyfriend changed his mind and he wanted to get married because he didn't want to get married at first. Um, and so I'm like, okay, that moves me forward, right? That's the little thing that tells me that I'm on the right path. And then something huge crashes on you again and you're like, okay, maybe that wasn't it. Maybe I misinterpreted everything. Maybe everything I feel in my heart is not what I'm supposed to hear. Maybe I'm just so attached to it that I make up stories that are not even true. You start to question your own intuition to a degree where you lose your identity. And that's not even related to country or background. You just lose your identity as human being. And I started to get depressed again and I remember one situation where I was laying on on the couch um, in my husband's apartment. I can't even say our apartment because I just literally moved myself in with him. Um, And I was laying there and I was crying and I was so desperate. And my aunt called me and she said, Isabel, 
where is your home? I was like, I don't have a home. I don't know. And she's like, well, it doesn't help that your parents just got divorced too, because they just got divorced right after, right before I left the country and that as the second time. And she's like, it doesn't help that they don't offer a home anymore where you can come back to. But also, where is your home? Because without a place where you feel like home, you can't thrive. And it's like, I don't know. I don't have a home. I, I'm homeless pretty much, even though I wasn't like housewife homeless. I was just, I didn't fit in. And really the breakthroughs came when my husband said, you're going through this coaching training. I really think that's what you're supposed to do. And then I had a, a coach uh, very interesting. I, I love him to this day. For one, it was interesting that I that I had a guy that a, a guy was appointed to me through the training, and um, he's also his parents are from a different country. Um, they're from India, and or Pakistan. No, I don't even know. Uh, you, you can't get can't those two countries say. mixed up. <laughs> See, that is what happens to me because I don't separate it. I just <laughs> mix it all up, like like because well, I don't well, care. Well, Say it's from an Asian country for now to be safe, but yeah, <laughs> India and Pakistan is probably not from the, from the continent over there. Yeah, yeah. So it was, um, yeah, I guess it's it the South, it's for South Asia. Um, and, you should uh, not listen to this episode. Yeah, you might not like that. But, yeah, but, go, <laughs> but, but no, I think you'll understand. But, but go ahead. Right. Uh, and it was interesting because because of that dynamic, I was able to, for one, to see my own biases, especially. But second, um, it helped me to work through that identity crisis that I experienced. I didn't feel like anything. I, at some point, I didn't even feel like human. And he helped me to really work through this identity crisis in helping me understand it doesn't matter where you're at because we're globally all connected. We are all connected. So where you're from, where you live, uh, what you do does not depend on who you are. And I think that's where I understood that I just need to find my place within and to understand that I am connected to everything and everyone around me on a spiritual level so that I didn't have to look for places that I could identify with. Does that make sense? It makes sense. And that's what I was getting at when I was asking you what you did. It's a lot of times when anyone listening right now is you found help. You worked on this with someone. You had a coach. Now you're also a coach, but this idea, sometimes we live in a world where even though we can diagnose the problem, we know something is wrong. It seems like everything is going against us. It's, it's very fortunate. I'm glad that you had uh, your husband push you in this direction. But it's not a moment of weakness for you to reach out to have someone who's, who might have already been there before sort of act as a guide and keep you accountable. Those things mm -hmm. are necessary uh, to expose yourself to because you can then in turn practice, you know, use what you've learned to empower others. And, and that's... Essentially, a lot of times what the cycle of life is, you start with self-awareness, then you start to expose yourself to mentors and people that could help. And then it's about you um, empowering others. And there's the don't give up hope element. And that's yeah. I've seen your, your life go through that, uh, that cycle. And, um, and it's admirable. But so we've done that. We've, we've walked, walked uh, through your journey. And, and I'm very strategic with why I, I had you go through that with this podcast because a lot of times I listen to emails I get or 
I get on phone calls or people listen to my Instagram. And the number one thing that I, I hear is, I'm not doing what I love. I'm passionate about this, but I feel like no yeah. one is going to be there. Like, I don't have the audience. I don't have that. And all these things, uh, to some variation of things you've gone through. So, yeah. Um, if anyone's listening, just think about that. Think about just a lot of what she said here. Uh, but yeah, anything you want to say before I go to the next question? No. <laughs> <laughs> you're, like, you're like, no, no, no. All right. So talk to me now about what it means to, you know, to be, you know, coaching with empaths, working with empaths and what an empath warrior is. Cause I, I don't know that a lot of people know what an empath warrior is. And when you say working with empaths, what does that mean? You're a certified yeah. transformation coach. Yes. Well, through the um, ontological coach training, which is pretty much spiritual coaching training, which goes really deep, it really works with inside of you instead of taking a look at the external situations and circumstances that you have and go through. Um, it always goes back to what's going on inside of you. And I started to, well, when you start out as a coach, which has been a few years now, but when you start out, you pretty much work with everyone, right? Because you have this scarcity mindset, like, you need to make this business work <laughs> somehow. And, um, but I attracted a certain kind of people and they all were very sensitive. Uh, most of them were very, uh, uh, let's say very withdrawn which makes it harder for me to even reach them because they, again, they're often hiding. I don't find them. They have to literally find me um, because otherwise I don't see them. But a lot of them suffer from anxiety, depression. Some are diagnosed with other mental health issues, autoimmune illnesses. They're often very related to the nervous system overload that you experience as a highly, highly sensitive person. And I also realized that I started to attract especially younger people under, let's say, under 35 that had similar, I, want, I don't want to call them symptoms, but they had similar traits that I could identify each of my clients with. But they had something else too. They were extroverts. They weren't just introverts. And they had this problem that they, on their heart, like coming from their heart, there was this extrovert, but externally there was this introvert and they couldn't combine the two. And so I had this conversation with my friend and I was like, oh, I have it. Those are the empath warriors. They have this warrior heart, but the empath, empathic um, abilities to connect with people and they don't know how to get out of their introvert box or create a balance between the intro and extrovert box and how to use those. And um, I realized that all the work that I've done with them, empathic work, a lot of them have very special gifts. There are so many different kinds of empaths. It goes from earth empaths, like people who are very connected to earth. My husband is um, in, uh, earth and nature empath, for example, my son too. Um, that got him into naturopathy and herbalism. That's what he does. And there are others that are really uh, like dream empaths, people who have lots of prophetic dreams. Others can connect with people on a molecular level. They can identify illnesses just by feeling. Uh, that's really, you need to be really trained to be able to do that. And that's not diagnosing. It's just, hey, I think you should take a look at this or that. Uh, and then other people that are connecting very emotionally with people and there's some more, but that would take too long. But anyways, so uh, I realized that all of those gifts are somehow connected to spirituality. And I understood that empathic work is spiritual work. 
And so I got more into spirituality. We're not talking religion or organized religion. We're really talking about spirituality, connecting to your heart, connecting to your soul, having this um, understanding of a divine power. It's when people practice meditation, which is spiritual work as well, they often feel that they become one with their surrounding. Like everything just feels, the energy just becomes one big energy. It's hard to describe, but that's what happens. And the realization as an empath, um, that is huge for someone who is an empath because then we can operate from a different um from a different place not from a place of victim everyone is against me everyone is throwing stuff at me I get overwhelmed but actually become the trained empath which is the observer it's like the matrix I love to explain it with the matrix I've never seen the movie don't judge on me (laughs) I've never seen it don't I, I should probably But um, some of the trailers that I remember is where he, in slow motion, and Keanu Reeves, I mean, who doesn't like him, um, where he is moving very slowly when people try to shoot at him, and he can see where those bullets are going. It's almost like slow motion, um, everything. And that's kind of how you can train yourself as an empath. (laughs) Let's hope nobody wants to shoot at you. Uh, But... Everything other people go through, if it's emotionally, their thoughts, um, anything that's happening around you in terms of toxins through environment, food, all of that is like spears coming at you. It hurts your nervous system. That's where the autoimmune illness often come in when you're not aware. And um, so you, you start to observe that, oh, this is what my body is responding to when I eat certain foods. Or those are people that I can support, but I don't have to take on their stuff, their crap. I don't have to deal with it. I can empower them to know that they have what it takes for them to work through it. I don't have to take it on from them. And those are just little things that I help people to work through, especially understanding um, the subject of energy, how our body is energetically um, built, it helps us to understand more about our abilities. And I always say people who are like that, they hide because they know they most likely have a very high responsibility in terms of uh, global unification. Mm-hmm. means our, our responsibility goes so far that um, it can look either way. It could look like that you do that within your community or even within your family. You don't have to be on stage for that to do, but the realization that what I do on a daily basis impacts people globally because of the ripple effect. That understanding puts a lot of responsibility on you, um, and a lot of people don't want to take on that that responsibility because sometimes we do like our prejudice and our biases because it keeps us kind of safe in a safe space. But again, as an empath, especially everyone should really have this understanding we all have some kind of empathic abilities, but a lot of us just suppress it. Mm, mm. You know why I like what you're saying? I mean, particularly is because when we look at the world today, right, and, and mm. whether it's shootings in schools, um, immigrant uh, uh, sentiment, yeah. negative sentiment against immigrants, um, you know, extremists bombing and suicide bombing, whatever we have, certain policies being created, 
the patriarchy, the sexism. Yeah, um, you know, this is Pride Month here. Uh, people who are homophobic and things like that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I often wonder, especially when we first had our first conversation, I often wonder what someone who does the work you do thinks about the world now and thinks about <laughs> how you can make an impact. Because I just can't, I'm trying to think of it from your, your, your perspective, because I have my thoughts and this is why I got into this field, because I want to help people connect across cultures. But mm-hmm. you have a unique way of looking at and approaching these things. What do you think is the thing that we all as humans need to fundamentally grasp so that we can sort of begin to break down these walls of misunderstanding and judging, judgment? rather? Yeah, I think what we fundamentally need to understand is that our first and foremost communication tool are our emotions. And because we have such a misunderstanding of what we feel and how we are supposed to feel and what emotions are good and which, which ones are bad, um, it, it disturbs the relationship that we could have with other people because we're no longer connecting on that heart level, which emotions allow us to do. We connect ourselves, like I explained with the story of me when I grow when I when I grew up, right? Um, that understanding is missing. Our native language, no matter where you are from, what country you're from, what you look like, emotions is our foundation to communicate on a much deeper level. If we can express that not react, but express in an authentic way. If it's through body language or if it's through facial expression or art, through music, that is all an expression of emotions. If we can use that without judgment, we can connect with people from all over the world on such a deep level that creates understanding. So when I look especially, I mean, I'm the closest to the the issues that are going on in the U.S. because I live here. Um, it is sometimes when I get too wrapped up, we don't watch much TV, so I don't even get too much into it, but social media, I mean, that's my platform for a lot of part of my work. Mm. I get, I get sucked into it where I get just so frustrated where I just want to shake people. I just want to punch them in the face. We're like, just wake up. Don't even, but then I have to remind myself, or actually my coaches, he's like, Isabel, you do not do things like everyone else. What you're sending out affects everyone around you directly 25 feet around you. So that means my family is directly impacted with me getting sucked into, getting angry, um, especially if it's the, the wrong kind of angry where I am reacting to it, where I may even yell at someone or break stuff. That is not okay. So for people, it is always, no matter what the dispute is or where you don't agree, reflect about what is your experience in that moment, what are your triggers before you react. Reflect before you react, and you can only reflect appropriately when you understand what it means, what you're feeling right now, and what your emotions are trying to communicate with you. They're not against you. They're not something that you have to keep in line. There's some something like a tool that you can work with and work through some of the the challenges that you face in this world. Even the meanest person, I can look at them and um, I can take a look at their heart. I can see beyond what they are showing up as. Uh, Sometimes it's hard for people to understand 
I explained to my own group, uh, they're mostly empath warriors, like we're the ones who are standing in the gap. Get prepared. There will be tomatoes thrown at you. There will be stinking sour eggs being thrown at you. Um, obviously, hopefully not like literally, but just fictionally. Um, like it, it's not always pretty. But when you always come back to that safe place within, you can you can continuously stay in this gap and help each side understand, hey, if you move just a little bit here, if you understand this about you, you may actually understand the other side in that point a little bit better. And the closer you come together, the faster you can actually reach out your hand and say, hey, I'm sorry, dude, I didn't mean to. We're all just humans. We're all just individuals who try to make a living. And within that space, we can create community, we can support each other, we can, you know, I mean, there's endless opportunities when we get to that point. We're getting to that point is quite the work, because a lot of people who are in pain respond from a place of pain, and revenge and rebelling, and that is never helpful to create a solution that actually lasts. Right. Reflect before you react. Mm -hmm. Gosh, that's amazing. And it's true. I mean, you got to reflect before you react, before you can even sort of do the hard work of finding that common ground. And it, it is, and it takes a lot of like letting go of your ego to really, you know, see the bigger picture, which is, uh, which is an, it's an interesting thing where you, you have to let go of your ego in the moment where you, you're really, really incensed to say, okay, all right. I know in the long run, this emotion I'm feeling right now is not going to matter to the bigger picture. And mm -hmm. if I want to make sure that we preserve our relationship or I don't set a bad example or set up this negative chain reaction, yeah, I need to step back, <laughs> reflect, and then come back and see what this is. Um, and I think that's a great reminder. So I really, really appreciate you know, what you're giving out there. Yeah. Well, one thing that I want to mention too, your emotions are always a reflection of your alignment with your soul. And the core of all that is, is love. And you can and, and values and morals are different for each person or what we are supposed to embody in this in this world, who we are supposed to uh, be and what we're supposed to do. Our calling is different. So um, every time you feel a, a lower vibrating um, emotion, which, again, everything is just energy like anger or shame or even guilt or uh, what else is there? Sadness, grief. It is your your soul is always communicating with you constantly, and it's always going back to hey, I think there's something that needs to be healed within you first. The better you know yourself, and the better you understand um, you, the better you can communicate with those around you. The better you connect with them, and you can actually work together in creating something much bigger. So, and that doesn't mean that we're not human. I mean, really. Sometimes I say things where I look back like I shouldn't have said that. Oh, I no, that wasn't good. Or I react, or I get angry, or I just yeah, I don't know what you do as a human. But I think real strength comes when you can say I just did that, and you can go back to the person that I'm sorry. Yeah. I know you said something that really hurt me, and that wasn't right from your side either, or it wasn't okay. It really hurt me. But it wasn't okay for me to respond the way I did either, because in the end, we both were just upset. 
to be honest, sometimes it's really hard, especially when people hurt you, if it's physically, if it's even emotional abuse, and you don't have to, like, it doesn't mean that everyone can do whatever they want to do with you. And that doesn't mean that you always have to forgive and that you, well, forgiveness is more about you than about the other person. So that's probably, um, that's more about you. But we we don't have to be best friends with everyone. Sometimes all there is to do is like, forgive yourself for reacting the way you just did, uh, because it didn't help bring help the bigger picture. But again, this person hurt you, and there's no reason for you to to interact with them again. They hurt you, and you have to take care of yourself so you can take care of other people. So it's it's all about that. Ref- like, <clears throat> excuse me, I have something in my throat. <coughs> That reflecting back at you and is it in service of who I am? Does it benefit me? Is it in alignment with my soul? And then you make the decision appropriately. Mm, gosh, I just I just love this episode. This is this is this is what we need. And um mm. you're incredible with your work and I'm so glad that we got to do this. So uh I honestly feel like a lot of people need to understand this this particular element. And then not only the element of understanding how to believe in yourself, understand your intuition, and then follow that despite the obstacles, but also reaching out when you need help, and then understanding the difference with your ego versus the bigger picture, how to yeah. step back and connect and understand uh, that um, there's power in what you, you give off in terms of yes. that. Uh, and, and, and I think a lot of us go throughout a day without understanding the power of what we're, you know, how we're saying or how we're acting, you know, whether we're you know, sometimes we think, well, I'm, you know, I'm being a grumpy person, but it's only affecting me. But we don't understand how it really affects our sphere of influence, people around us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah, get it. I'm just, look, leave me alone. I'm just mad. And there are moments when you need to be alone. But sometimes when we commit to being like just angry or grumpy or, or just being annoyed, um, there's a deeper consequence. A cons- yeah. And, and a deeper reason for that, too. Yeah. Um, it's always, it always, everything that's happening inside of you is, is a guide, is a message for you um, within the bigger picture. And by the way, the influence that we have on other people, those who are parents and listen, they know that when you have a grumpy day, your kid adds like twice as much of grumpiness to it. And then they throw tantrums. Like they respond to your grumpiness way faster than what you ever wanted them to. And they call you out on that too, if we're aware of it. But it just shows the impact, even just what we think. Our state of being, our thoughts impact people around us directly or indirectly it doesn't matter so we have to choose what we want to send out sometimes people that annoy us like if you take a look at politics for example there are a lot of people where i just would like not to see around um for me it is easy to lash out and say they're stupid they're idiots uh, that might be true to some degree too but for my purpose, it is for me to focus in on them and just send them love and light. And that's all I have and can do in that moment. But just seeing the heart and focusing on their heart instead of what they do and how they represent themselves makes it easier for me to deal with them. Yeah, that's that's so true. That's so true. So someone listening is saying, Isabel, I need to hire you. I want, I want you to speak to my organization and my people, where can they reach out to you and where can they find out more about your work? Everything, I keep it very simple. So everything that people need to know and want to know is on my website, isabahunt.com, H-U-N-D-T.com. Um, I'm the unicorn, <laughs> the D-T.com. Um, 
there you can find um, how to work with me on an individual level how um, there's my whole speaking page with everything from media kit to everything people need um, to know pretty much to hire me as a speaker. Uh, so yeah, if anyone's interested, just remember my website is If you remember anything from this episode, yeah. <laughs> remember that one. Isabelhunt.com. <laughs> yes. um, because I'm going to put this episode there too so you can always re-listen <laughs> well we, we i'll definitely i'll definitely uh put that in the show notes but before we go i've got to ask you the question i ask all my guests which is my mission statement i alluded to it earlier it's use your difference to make a difference so how do you use your difference to make a difference isabel oh gosh this is so hard to answer because i'm just being me by helping other be them how do I make a difference to be by being different? Um, allowing other people to be, to seeing their heart, to just seeing them for who they are. Mm-hmm. Wow. I think that's important. I think that's necessary. Mm-hmm. Ah, well, giving I'm, the space for people to be. Giving the space for people to be. Isabel uses a difference to make a difference by giving people the space to be. Well, I've got to say, you've definitely given a lot of people their spaces to be today. So uh, my hope is that the people listening today are uh, inspired by today's episode and then they commit to action. So I'm definitely going to let you know when this comes out and um, we, can, we can go from there. But honestly, this, this has been one of my favorite conversations. So thank you for coming on. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure is mine, Isabel. And ladies and gentlemen, till next time, use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.